Thank you, choir and Al. And let me just say, Jesus saves. Isn't that a great, what a great message and song today. And that's really the, it uh, just flows right into the message that we're sharing today. Uh, for someone to be saved, there has to be an opportunity for someone to be saved. I'm uh, mindful that this afternoon in Raleigh is the Franklin Graham Festival. He's uh, started a trip of eight cities across North Carolina in these days. I have, uh, Pam and I have some dear friends at work with the Franklin Graham organization and uh, was doing some, making some contact with them yesterday and they were saying that uh, they've had about 10,000 people per event so far and each of those times they've had about 200 decisions for Christ. And so we celebrate that. I know there are several in our congregation that are heading over this afternoon. I told them, I said, Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock, one city away is kind of tough. But uh, we've been advertising, and we hope that, uh, I know some of you are planning to go. We certainly want to encourage you to do that, and uh, we look for great results as well, because Jesus saves at every opportunity, and uh, we have to put ourselves in that opportunity. Uh, also, another uh, event taking place here on our campus this weekend you may have run into is what I'm going to call the invasion of the lamplighters. I don't know if you know anything about that or not, but <laughs> lamplighters is a discipleship ministry i uh, been uh, active in different parts of our country and active in our area, and uh, we have agreed to host a discipleship weekend from the Lamplighters, and they're taking the, the far end of the facilities, and they've been up here all weekend, will be here most of the day today. Uh, I was talking to a couple of the folks, Al, and one of the men said that uh, a young man got saved, uh, trusted Christ as his Savior, even over this discipleship weekend that we're hosting here. So uh, Jesus saves at every opportunity. Uh, speaking of, of every opportunity for Jesus to save, uh, one of our dear friends here in the church, Mr. Milton Bowen, sitting right back over here, uh, told me that today is his birthday. Is it today, Milton, is your birthday? Milton, stand up just real quick. Folks need, just need to see you and just wave at everybody. And, and just to make sure he made it to church today, his children and grandchildren are with him, so we're, uh, we're delighted to have you guys as always. And uh, uh, Milton, I, I appreciate a lot of things about you. If you don't know Milton, just go up to Chick-fil-A or Bojangles and you'll find him. But it's not just that he goes to Chick-fil-A or Bojangles. You'll find him sitting there reading his Bible. And you'll see that devotion he's got in his hand. And he's always got a quick word. And uh, Milton's a guy, every Sunday when I, when I serve at a door greeter, when he walks in, he'll say, he walks up, always says the same thing. I'll tell you one thing. And he tells him about how good God is. And Milton always tells me this, and I would encourage Milton, I hope everybody does this. Milton says to me every day, every time I see him, he says, you pray for me, and I'll pray for you. So Milton, happy birthday. We're so uh, delighted. Yeah. You have to take opportunity when it presents itself because, you know, opportunity may not come around. Again, you have to be ready. You may or may not know the name Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is a professional football player for the New York Giants. He plays quarterback. Last year he played for the Duke Blue Devils, and uh, he was drafted, and he was, yeah, I heard that back there, so he was, uh, <laughs> Daniel Jones was drafted by the New York Giants with the hope or the thought that eventually he would become the starting quarterback for the team. Uh, the, the starting quarterback for years has been one of the great quarterbacks in the National Football League, Eli Manning, and so the thought was to develop Daniel Jones, perhaps he could be the one to take over, and after two games in the season, the New York Giants had lost both of them, and the coaches told Daniel Jones, you're now the starter until further notice. So uh, for the last two games, he's played quarterback, and they've won both of those games. 
Daniel Jones took advantage of the opportunity because he found himself prepared. Opportunity comes and you have to be prepared if you're going to take advantage of it. My wife Pam's son Jay uh, got to uh, have an unusual opportunity. A few weeks ago, he and his wife Ashley were traveling to Chicago. They got off the plane, went to the baggage claim, and right there in the middle of all these people, a man waiting for a suitcase just fell face down, busted his teeth on the pavement and didn't move. And everybody around him didn't move. Jay, Pam's son, went, turned him over, and realized his heart had stopped. He was having a heart attack or some event. And for the next 20 or so minutes, Jay, Pam's son, gave him CPR, saving the man's life, and nobody else, everybody else just stood around. That's exciting, isn't it? But he was prepared when the opportunity came. So if you want to have a heart attack around, make sure somebody around you knows CPR. And it's not the time to learn. The Roman philosopher Seneca is credited with this statement. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't believe in luck. I've got a Christian version of that statement, and it's simply this. Good God moments happen. God moments. God moments happen when spiritual preparation meets God-given opportunity. And it paints a picture of this. Is that God calls me to be prepared knowing that at certain times there's going to be a God moment opportunity. Some of these we can put on the calendar. We can plan for God-given moments, God-given opportunities. For example, every Sunday is a God-given opportunity. Amen? We don't just gather saying, you know, nothing else to do, we'll go to church. We gather hoping, praying, looking, expecting, God, would you do something today? If you don't pray that way coming in, I hope you will from now on. We look for those God moments, knowing it's an opportunity. Now the question is, are we prepared to come into that opportunity? Have we prayed up? Have we studied? Have we made ourselves prepared to worship God? Uh, Karen Little attended Ridgecrest Baptist Church. And she wasn't sure exactly where to go. It was her first time coming in the doors. And she encountered Marilyn Thayer, one of our church members, standing at the door as a greeter. And Karen, who looked like she didn't have any clue where she was or what was going on, uh, Marilyn seized the opportunity, asked her if she had somewhere special to go. Karen said, no, I just showed up. Marilyn escorted her to a connect group, didn't just point down the hall, but took her to the connect group, attended connect group with her, and attended worship with her. And uh, just a few weeks ago, Karen Little became a member of Ridgecrest Baptist Church, saying, among, uh, among other things, she had never felt so welcomed into a church at any time in her life. Marilyn Thayer was prepared when the opportunity presented itself to be a smiling face for the gospel. Let me invite you to stand with me this morning as we're in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, talking about preparation and opportunity. Acts chapter 3, we're going to start reading at verse number 1. We find that Peter and John experienced a God-given opportunity, and thankfully they were prepared to meet that opportunity with God-given success. Acts 3, verse number 1. One. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is about three in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, 
that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms or contributions of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Isn't that exciting to see? And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. I like this next part. Is it okay to act this way in church? Well, it's in the Bible. Here it goes. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and what? Praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to Him. Our Heavenly Father, today fill us, we pray, with awe and wonder and amazement at what You do in the hearts and lives of people. We thank You for those supernatural touches that bring healing to our bodies. But all the more, Lord, we thank You for the salvation of a soul, knowing that as the choir just sang, Jesus saves. And knowing that as we heard the report this morning that a young man has trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And knowing, Lord, that even today is a God-given opportunity. We ask and pray, Lord, you would meet us in this place, that you would bring uh, strength to, to your word, that you would bring a listening ear to each one of us. And as you speak to our hearts, Lord, may we be prepared to answer and to always answer yes as we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, please be seated. I love reading stories about how God moves in wonderful and amazing ways. Peter and John had several things to help them prepare. They had the Holy Spirit of God to help them prepare. They had the Word of God. What they had is what we call the Old Testament to help them prepare. They had uh, their uh, opportunities and experiences in prayer to prepare them for this opportunity. And, and the Scripture uh, makes it, uh, pictures it as they were simply walking in to go to church when they saw this man over to the side. They, they were not rehearsed. They were not looking for this event to take place. But when it came time, when God opened the opportunity and pricked Peter's heart, he was prepared and they were ready. I want to take just a few minutes today to talk about two keys. Two keys that I'm going to talk about concerning preparation and opportunity for God moments to occur in our hearts and in our lives. The first key is this. In verses 1 to 11, which we just read, the key is always be ready to minister in the name of Jesus. I know I just scared about half of you right there. Always be ready, always be prepared to minister to someone else in the name of Jesus. That scares people because oftentimes the average Christian, the average church member, I really believe, has an attitude that says, I can't do that. That's not my place. That's not my job. That's why we have a pastor. 
But the reality is, God calls all of us who know Jesus as our Savior to always be prepared and always be ready to minister in Jesus' name. Let's look at this just a little bit more. Four things I want to point out to you. The first is, uh, being ready begins with living the Christian life. If you're not living the Christian life, then you're not prepared. And if you're not prepared, then the opportunity comes and you're not prepared to meet the opportunity. So let's talk about uh, the beginning uh, by living a Christian life. In, in verse number 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. We know that, that praying is one of the routines of spiritual discipline. We talked about that last week. The routines of spiritual discipline. One of those is being devoted to praying. We also know that Jesus, it says about Jesus, I think it's in the Gospel of Luke, it says that Jesus went to the synagogue and then it said this about Him, as was His custom, as was His routine. Going to church, going to pray, were vitally important activities in the lives of the believers in the first century, but they should also be vitally important activities in the 21st century for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I would say that participation in church is a great gauge of our spiritual maturity. Not attending a church, but participating in the life of a local body of believers is a great gauge of our Christian life. Now studies show, and I do a lot of reading in the area of churches, and especially churches in America in our day and in our time, and studies are showing that church attendance is on the way down. I don't know if you recognize that or not. And every time we turn around, it seems like uh, some church is struggling. Some church is going out of business. More and more uh, across our country, uh, churches are failing and going out of business because they cannot maintain enough of, it, of an attendance in order to pay the bills for the church. We're also finding out, according to studies and surveys, that if people who do attend church are attending less often. So people are, fewer people are going to church and of those that go, they're attending less often. From studies and surveys, we also are discovering that Christians say about themselves that they own up to having a lack of Bible knowledge and they own up to having a minimal time spent in prayer and they own up to having little spiritual impact in their lives, much less impacting others through their lives. This is all from self-reporting of believers. There's a study that's come out from our Southern Baptist uh, discipleship arm called LifeWay, LifeWay Christian Resources. And the study has come out uh, entitled, Three Reasons Drifting from the Faith Starts with Drifting from the Church. Interesting uh, take on that. I want to give you a couple of highlights from that article. That drifting from the faith, turning away or backing away or backsliding from the faith, often begins by turning away or neglecting being a part of your local church body. Three points that are made in this article. One is, when we leave the church, we stop being reminded. When we leave the church, we stop being reminded. Scripture teaches us to remember the Sabbath. Scripture teaches, remember how you provoked God in the wilderness. Remember, Jesus said, I am with you always. And these are three of many different commands in the Scripture about remembering Remembering who God is, remembering who we are, remembering our relationship to God, and remembering uh, how God calls us to spend time with Him. And church participation reminds us of several things. It reminds us of who God is, 
His purpose and plan and our need for Him. But also I want you to notice the second part of the article. When we leave the church, we embrace self-reliance, not God-reliance. The more we remove ourselves from participation in our Christian activities, attending church, reading the Scripture, all the other things that we might do, we're, we're teaching ourselves self-reliance instead of God-reliance. And so part of the reason we participate in church is because we need help. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I want you to repeat after me. We, we need we help, help from, from God. God. Desperately. We need to be a part of a church because we know that we're weak spiritually. We know that we need God. We know that we need other people. And we know that other people need us in and through the body of believers. And so church participation gives us an avenue to meet our need for God and our need, our desperate need for God and for godly relationships. That's what church uh, or one of the reasons that church exists. Thirdly, in the article it says this, when we leave the church, we create a gap. We create a gap. When, when, we're, when we were involved in church and now we're not involved in church, there's a hole in our schedule. From the time that we normally would get up and prepare and, and, and come to our Sunday School Connect group, to come to a worship service, to, to take that part of Sunday morning, when we determine that we're no longer going to do that, it leaves a hole, it leaves a gap, and it's going to be filled in. There's an open spot in our schedule that will be filled in by something, and the article points out that something may or may not be something that will draw us closer to God. It may not be a bad thing, but a good thing that doesn't draw us closer to God can be a bad thing in relation to a participation that will draw us closer to God as well. Well, I want you to notice, in being ready to minister in the name of Jesus... Secondly, it means being prepared for chance encounters. We see this in verses 2 and 3. We read this earlier. Being prepared for chance encounters. I say chance because I don't believe there's any such thing as chance. I don't know about you, but I don't believe that there's, uh, there's luck, there's not coincidence. I believe God is in everything. And so here we see a God opportunity taking place in a familiar scene for the day and the time and the place. Now this man was brought to the temple by the beautiful gate every day. Every day they brought him out there and he would sit there and he would beg. He would ask for alms. And in that day and in that time, if you were handicapped, if you were unable to get out and work, then you became a liability to your family because you were taking resources and not providing resources. It was a different day and time. And so, so the, they would take the, the lame, they would take those who were unable, those that had disabilities of any different kind, and they would take them out and they would place them in certain places. And as people would walk, walk by, they would ask, could you help me? Could you provide for the poor? Could you help me? My, my leg is broken. Could you help me? I can't see. Could you help me in this regard? So that's what they, they were used to doing with this man. And they've been doing it forever and ever because all the people recognized when he was healed. They recognized this is the same guy. We've talked to him in and out of that gate for many, many months, years, or perhaps even for a generation. But we see that being ready to minister means being prepared for these encounters. Verse 2, a man lame from birth was being carried out there. And they laid him out there 
by the beautiful gate. Verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And here's what I want to point out. In a situation like that, it'd be real easy to envision that after you had seen this man once, twice, three times, ten times, after you'd seen him over a period of time, you're going to respond one or two ways. Either you're going to know in advance he's going to be there, and knowing his condition, uh, his, his need to support himself, you probably every week, you might put an extra few cents in your pocket or a dollar in your pocket, so you would go by and you might have struck up a conversation, you might have heard his story, and you might just put a few pennies or coins in that cup, and you just keep walking along. Many others, perhaps, though, knew he was going to be there. They had seen him, they had heard him, but for whatever reason, they just walk on by. Been there, done that, seen that, gave him a dollar a couple years ago, I'm good. But one of those two ways. It was just a, just, it just it happened that, that Peter and John were on their way uh, to the temple and saw this scene taking place, and they were prepared for this chance encounter that turned out to be a God moment. Thirdly, I want you to notice that, that being ready to minister brings a sudden opportunity. Oftentimes, God appointments, He's known about for all eternity, but we're only brought in at the last minute. These opportunities uh, often happen suddenly. And if we're not prepared, then we just walk on. If we are prepared, then God can say to us at any moment, would you stop and speak to this man over here who's having a difficult day? Well, would you stop just for a second and take that phone call from that person you normally might not have time for? Would you stop just for a second and hear the story of this cashier that you've talked and given pleasantries to at the, at the grocery store for years? Would you take just a second because nobody's behind you and just hear what she's got going on in her life? Would you? God gives us these opportunities. And if we're not prepared, we can miss those opportunities. Verse 4, Peter directed his gaze at him. As did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention, not just a glance, but he looked up. They were, they were literally staring into the eyes of each other. And the man, it says, was expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Peter brought healing to this man. The Lord Jesus healed this man through Peter on this occasion. Was it that, that the Lord spoke to Peter earlier in the day and said, when you go by that gate and you see that man you always see, I'm going to heal him today. Would you go and, and just rise him up? I don't know. The Scripture doesn't say that. I tend to think it was a sudden opportunity that as Peter saw the man and the man spoke to Peter, that the Lord spoke to and through Peter in that moment of sudden opportunity. And it was an awesome thing that God directed for this man to be healed. Now, people ask the question, why aren't healings like this taking place today? Why? I can't answer that. Some scholars uh, mention the fact that, you know, in the first century, uh, God gave gifts of healing and signs and wonders like no other time in history in order to establish that the message of the gospel was true. 
And so as they would perform a miracle, people would come and they would listen to the message of the Gospel and they would, be, they would recognize that it's not just a story among stories, but that it is actually true. I will be honest with you and tell you, at no time in over 30 years of ministry have I ever been in the presence of someone and, they, and God speak to me and say, tell them to get up out of their bed. Tell them to get up off of that, that, that leg. Tell them to, 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 to see now when they're blind. God's never spoken to me to speak to someone else. Either I have not been prepared or God is not working like that to this point in and through my life. I will tell you this. I've heard stories of people that were healed from, from sources I know I can trust. I've been in many situations where I have prayed with and for someone and, and the next time they go to the doctor, the, the, the scan is clear. I, I do know that. But I do know also that seeing healings like this, someone born lame, suddenly, suddenly, not over a period of time, but suddenly their, their ankles being healed, their strength returning, and for the first time in their life standing up. I've not seen that. But it happened on this occasion and God moved and worked through them we have to be mindful that though we may not be called on a sudden occasion to speak to someone to be physically healed from a condition from birth, we are given opportunities every single day to make an impact for somebody for the gospel. Somebody who's not looking for it, but somebody who's looking to us. And to say to them, I don't have any money right now. I can't give you any money. But here's what I can give you. I can give you the gospel. And so we need to be mindful about sudden opportunities. Fourthly, here, uh, that being ready to minister can result in a testimony of praise. <laughs> Don't you just love testimonies? Last Sunday night, we had our family, church family celebration. We had a great crowd out in the gym. We sat around tables. We had some great singing. We shared around our tables some prayer requests and praying. And we had, I think it was nine different members of our church stood and, and shared a way in which they were celebrating what God was doing in and through their life, in and through the ministry of Ridgecrest Baptist Church. It was a great time. And for those of you that were there, uh, I know you, you feel like that as well. One of the folks that shared was Karen Little, who I mentioned just a while ago. She shared her experience about how she came to Ridgecrest Baptist Church. And the, an experience with, with, with Karen was that she came here looking, but if nobody had spoken to her, or nobody had welcomed her, she may have turned around and left and never come back. But because Marilyn was prepared and ready, Karen is now an active member participating in the life of Ridgecrest Baptist Church. I don't have any money, but here's what I can give you. I can give you a smile. I can give you my time. I can give you a, a direction. I can give you an encouraging word. I can pray with you. I can, I can point you in the right direction. I can go there with you and become your friend and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you all the while it results in a testimony of praise verse 8 and leaping up i love this he leaping up he stood and began to walk and he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising god is, is it isn't it I, people shouldn't act that way in church should they isn't that right we should not leap we should not jump we should not shout we should not do these things because we have to be reverent Now, should we be reverent when we come to church? Absolutely. But I think there's nothing more reverent than somebody in whose life God is working to walk in the doors of the church and just say, Hallelujah! Let me tell you what Jesus is doing for me. Is that alright? And you know, we don't do that enough, do we? Just, uh, just before, this, before the service ever starts, and listen, nobody's going to get your seat. 
If you just want to put your Bible down, nobody's going to pick up your Bible. Every Sunday morning when I come in here, I put my Bible down on the front row. Now, if you sit on the front row in the church, you're safe to start with, right? But I put my Bible down. I make my way around. And I just want to speak to people. I want to hear how people are doing. I want to just say a few words of encouragement. And if you were to decide to do the same thing and to tell somebody, come in ready. Let me tell you what the Lord's doing in my life. Let me tell you what I was reading in the Scripture just this morning. Let me tell you what I'm praying God will do in our worship service today. Can you imagine the difference that that would make in the life of the average church, including this church as well? Praising God. And, and when that happened, verse 9, I love this, and the people saw Him walking and praising God, and they recognized Him, that He's the one that sat by the gate asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to Him while He clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. So this guy was healed, and he starts jumping around and praising God, and the people look at him and recognize him, and they say, isn't that the guy? Yeah, that's the guy. And so they all go over. He's creating a scene in church, so they all start gathering around. I was at the grocery store, food line, this week. And I was checking out, and this guy didn't chase me down, but he, he made his way to me. I could see him coming from about 10 or 12 feet away. And he said, you're Pastor Mark. I started to say, well, that depends on what you want. <laughs> I said, yes, I am. He said, I know Robbie Andrews. And if you don't know Robbie Andrews, he's, he's, we just baptized him. Great story. I'm going to tell this story at the next service where he's going to be there. He's going to jump up and shout probably then. But he said... I've known Robbie Andrews forever, and I can't believe the change is taking place in wow. his life. At the grocery store. That's exciting, isn't it? People, people always have something to say when they see. When they see the difference God has made in your life, when they see the difference that God has made in my life, you know what they do? They talk about it. I can't believe that. And so we need to always be mindful to be ready to minister in the name of Jesus. But secondly, I want you to notice today, always be ready to testify about Jesus. Always be ready to testify about Jesus. What happened here, God healed the man and praised the Lord for that healed man. And that man no doubt praised the Lord for that and was thankful for it. But the, but the point of the passage is not that God healed, but that God healed, a crowd was drawn, and all of a sudden there was a testimony about Jesus and an open door of gospel presentation. We have to take advantage of those moments to point people to Jesus, to get their attention and to share the gospel. That's why it's so important to be prepared and to be ready. Verse 12, when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. In other words, Peter's there. He, said, he sees all these people gathered around. He said, all these folks, we may as well have church right here. We may as well talk about how great God is right here and right now. He said, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? You see this guy? We didn't do it. Don't look at us like we're something special. So taking advantage. And then Peter went on to give a gospel presentation, taking advantage of the moment, just as we need to be prepared to give a gospel presentation to, to take advantage of any moment that God may give us. He begins by talking about sin. He begins by talking about sin. There's a famous uh, saying about pastors and preaching. And uh, Pastor, what you preaching on Sunday? Sin. What about it? I'm against it. <laughs> There's the message. 
But here, on this occasion, it had to be awkward. It's always a little awkward when I have conversations with people and talk about the reality that the Bible says all of us have sinned. That includes me. And I'll also tell the person, that includes you. It's a humbling thing to be told, by the way, you're a sinner. And I've been told more than, who do you think you are telling me that I'm a sinner? Who are you to, to point fingers at me of judgment? That's the way a lot of people respond. But until we recognize how bad the news is about us being a sinner, we'll never latch on to how good the good news is about Jesus being our Savior. That's what we need to be mindful of. And it, it definitely had to be difficult for Peter in that moment because as I read through this next part about how he addresses him, it's important to note when... when when Peter is saying, you did this and you did that, he's talking to the very people who actually did it. He's not just saying that, that everyone is a sinner. He's saying, you personally, you were there when they put Jesus on the cross. It's your fault. That would be a little awkward moment, wouldn't it? it? It's never pleasant and it's never just easy to talk to someone about sin. I'll be honest with you. But it's an essential part of the gospel, starting in verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus. This is the gospel. God glorified Jesus, whom you delivered over. Uh oh, here we go. You, whom you delivered over, and you denied Him in the presence of Pilate when Pilate had already decided to release Him. You raised a ruckus, and you made sure that Jesus was not released. Verse 14, but you denied the Holy and Righteous One. That's Jesus. You denied Him. And you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Instead of the Son of God, the Savior, you asked for Barabbas, the murderer, to be released back when Pilate gave you that choice. Verse 15. And you killed the author of life. That's pretty serious, isn't it? You had the Son of God right in front of you. You denied Him. You asked for a murderer. And by the way, you killed Him. Whom God raised from the dead. Now He starts to turn a little bit. You killed Him. He was God's Son. But God has raised Him from the dead. And then He says this, To this we are witnesses. We've seen it. We've seen it. Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, who was put to death because of sinful men, by sinful men, but because and for the sins of the world. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They were sinners. But we can't point too many fingers at them because we too are sinners. And I can never point fingers at you or anybody else and, and, and level the charge of being a sinner without recognizing that as I put my one finger towards you, there's three more coming right back at me. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. Sin is the essence of the gospel because the good news is only good news when you recognize how bad the bad news is as well. So now we get to the, the presentation of the gospel, the good news. And that is that Christ suffered, Christ died, and Christ was raised from the dead for us who are sinners. Jesus died in our place and for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day, God raised Him from the dead for us that we might be saved and brought into the family of God. Notice verse 16. 
and His name. By faith in His name. That's an important phrase. By faith in His name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus, there it is again, faith through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets, that His Christ would suffer, He thus fulfilled. He's saying this. He's saying that Jesus died, was condemned by sinful men, He died, was buried, was raised on the third day, and that's in accordance with all that God had foretold in advance. And now let's look at the response. What do we do? Now that we recognize that we're sinners, what do we do? Now that we've heard that Jesus, whom we put to death by our sins, God raised from the dead, what do we do? Verse 19, he says, repent, therefore, repent. That's that religious word. A lot of people know the word, but they don't know exactly what it means or how to appropriate it to their life. Repent simply means to turn, to change directions, to stop going in the way of our sins and to start going in the way of God. To repent means to turn and to change my mind about Jesus, to change my mind about myself, to change my mind about my sins and to recognize that I am a sinner in need of grace and God has sent His Son to be the Savior that I might have the hope of eternal life. That's the response. To repent, therefore, verse 19, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. You see that on the screen? Say that last part with me. That your sins may be blotted out. So there's a record of your sins before God, and as you and I would stand before God facing our sins, and the list is, is exposed. Now, I don't know about you, for when you stand before God, there might be a, a list on, on the front side of a sheet of 8.5 by 11 paper. And just, listen, one sin is enough. And yours might take the place of, take, take one side of one sheet of 8.5 by 11 paper. I need a ream of paper. <laughs> and a ream of paper. And I say that not to flaunt my sin, but to flaunt the fact that God reached down and rescued even someone in my circumstances and in my situation. That your sins may be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. He may send Jesus to you. To do what? To remove your sins. To blot them out. So that when you stand before God, that sheet of 8.5 by 11 paper will be spotless and pure and white. And, and so as we stand before God, there is nothing to condemn us. No sin. Because it's been blotted out by Jesus, our Savior. Verse 26, a reminder about God. It says, God having, first of all, raised up His servant, that's Jesus. Secondly, sent Him to you first. And thirdly, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. That's how awesome God is. That's how awesome God is. This sudden moment, this sudden opportunity that, that presented itself, Peter and John were ready for it. They were prepared and they simply shared this message. God raised Jesus. God sent Christ to you. And God will bless you by removing and turning everyone from their wickedness who will put their faith and their trust in Him. Isn't that awesome? That's just exciting today. In Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan when there were two Jewish leaders, they should have stopped and helped the man who was laying on the side of the road left for dead. They walked on by. They weren't prepared when the opportunity presented itself. But the Samaritan, the one that everybody looked down on, the Samaritan was prepared when the opportunity presented itself. 
In Luke chapter 12 and verse 40, Jesus said, You also must be ready. You also must be prepared because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. In other words, you know, Jesus is coming back. You know that, right? He is coming back. And Jesus here is saying to His followers, you must be ready. Because when that time comes, you don't know. And the same principle applies to us in our lives. You also, we also must be ready because we don't know when we're going to encounter that, that lame person begging on the side of the road and God speak to us in some way to share something with that person to bring them eternal life. We don't always know when we're going to be walking by the desk of that coworker, and that coworker just got their, their face in their hands and some terrible thing is going on in their life and nobody else has spoken to them and you might just simply say, hey, looks like you're having a hard time and that person might just gush out all over you and then you are able and ready and prepared to share with them how God can make a difference in their life and in their circumstances. You don't know when you're going to be out in your neighborhood walking, uh, walking the dog or walking to get some exercise. And maybe you've just got, you got your good pace going on. And all of a sudden you see your neighbor. And, and they're sitting on the porch. And they just kind of throw their hand up. But that might be the one time God might speak to your heart and say, Go speak to your neighbor and tell them about the wonderful things of God. These opportunities just kind of present themselves suddenly. And when we are determined to be prepared, then we will absolutely be used by God in some form or fashion because we're ready. Let me ask you some questions. I'm asking these of myself because they're true of me as well. How many times has God not been able to use us because of something in our life, our heart, or our spirit? He has given us the opportunity. He wants to give us the opportunity, but there's something going on inside of us. We're not ready or prepared. How many times have we missed opportunities because we were not prepared? I hate to think back. I can point you to, to times, glorious times when I feel like God spoke to me, where God spoke through me, where God used me to lead someone to faith in Christ. I can tell you story after story after story that, that I'm, I'm delighted to be able to tell you and I celebrate that, but, but I shudder to think of all the missed opportunities that I have walked right by because I've not been prepared. My mind wasn't right. My spirit wasn't right. And I walked by and there was somebody sitting on the side of the road. There was somebody sitting at their desk. There was somebody at the store. There was somebody in my family. There's somebody who sent me a, an email and I just glossed over it, didn't return it on time. When somebody called and I was too busy to take a call. How many times have I missed these God-given opportunities because I wasn't tuned in and prepared? How many times have opportunities presented themselves to us? We know they're God moments and yet we refuse to take them. How many times have, have, have something, has God spoken and pricked your heart? Maybe you've read the Bible that morning, you've prayed, and you said, Lord, here I am, use me. And so you mean, you're ready, but, but as you go out, God says, okay, this one over here. And you say, uh-uh, not that one. <laughs> God says, I want you, to, I want you to, to send this person an email and then open a door for a conversation. And you say, no, I'm not going to do that. How many times has God given us opportunities that we're aware of, and yet we've simply refused to go in? Well, let me ask you as we conclude here this morning. What can we do? What can you and I do to be prepared for those God-given opportunities? What can we do to be prepared? Let me just remind you quickly of what I think is the ultimate preparation guide. And it comes out of the message from last week, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. But Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 in particular, where we recognize this. We recognize that we should be reading the Bible on a regular basis in order to be prepared for God to use us. 
We should be fellowshipping with other believers, being committed to the fellowship and to the, to the people of the fellowship, recognizing that many God-given opportunities take place in and through the fellowship of believers. We should be participating in the worship of God. Yes, Sunday morning is awesome, and I, I hope you'll be here every single Sunday morning. And I want to tell you that every time I stand to preach, I do so with fear and trembling, knowing that you are here to hear from God, and I'm the appointed man for the day, and that I have studied the Word and prayed, and I've put together an outline, and I've asked God to infuse it, and God even change it right in the middle. And, 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 and as I heard a guy tell me recently, he said, he said, Mark, my prayer is this, I don't want to be a powerless preacher and i've made that my prayer i don't want to be a powerless preacher worshiping god by singing worshiping god in prayer worshiping god with the message those are vitally important yes on sundays but how about every single day an opportunity to worship and then praying praying oh god help me help me to have eyes to see the opportunities that you open right in front of me Help me to have eyes to see. There are those times when I want to burst right in and they're not really God opportunities, but I burst in anyway. Help me, Lord, to be discerning to know what's what. And then simply repeat the above. Read the Bible. Fellowship with believers. Worship God. Pray. Repeat. One this morning, if I could ask you to stand as we prepare to have our last song of the day. A song of invitation. We never want to gather without inviting people to do something with what they've heard, with what they've experienced, with what the Spirit of God has impressed upon them. I'll never forget a, an older lady one time came up to me after a worship service and said, Pastor, I just want to say that God really moved in my heart today. I'll be honest, a little bit of pride raised up inside of me. Really, which part of my sermon came across? And she said it had nothing to do with what you said. But as we began singing, God just impressed on my heart. This death just carried with me all the way through the service. So after I felt humbled to be that tall, I then recognized the fact, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you speak to the hearts and lives of people. Maybe it's by what I've been directed to say. Maybe it's by a song. Maybe it's by just something you're going through. And in the moment, God spoke to that person. I wonder today if God is speaking to you about something that was sung or something that was said or something that has been on your heart that while you've been in this place, God just says, now's your time, now's your moment, now's the response. And I would encourage you not to harden your heart, not to walk away from it, but to deal with God right where you are as we sing our last song. As you may feel the need to come forward, to just kneel and pray here around the front, to speak to myself, I'll be hanging out as well for just a few moments. To step across the aisle and give somebody in this place a word of encouragement. You've got my permission to do so even while we're singing. But to do whatever it is. To seize the opportunity and to determine to be prepared for all those opportunities. Let's pray even now. Lord, I pray and thank you that folks have been so engaging this morning. They've listened and they've had their attention tuned into what I've said. And I pray, Lord, that I've said the very things you've led me to say. And I pray that we might have a determination that if not before now, that at the very least now going forward, we will be prepared for every opportunity you place before us. Lord, may we prioritize your word in our spiritual growth. May we prioritize your church in our worship. May we prioritize your people in our times of fellowship. And may we, Lord, prioritize your presence in our times of prayer. 
in the moments that we have left, would you take and use this opportunity, Lord, to bring about a God moment as only you can as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.